You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Chiefs Kingdom, welcome into another edition, the latest episode of the AP Draft Room Podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Appreciate you, as always, listening, joining us today on a beautiful Sunday in Kansas City. It's royal season, baby. It is Royals time. We're still a Chiefs podcast, but got a shout out to the boys in blue. I'm getting it done the first two games of the season. We're not going to talk about Sunday as as right now they're getting their butts beat by the Guardians. But we won the series, so that's all that matters. Uh, Talon, it's baseball season a little bit. Still draft season, obviously, and that's where the juice is. But uh, I don't know. You you into baseball at all? What's uh you got you got you excited for baseball season at all? Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Baseball is you know it's traditional. Um, but as a fan, I'm not that into it. I'm a fringe guy. I pay attention, but I'm not watching every game. Yeah. Uh, but I got a lot of close friends. I got a couple of buddies going to the game Saturday. Had a great time. So it seems like Royals have to have some have some star power that they have been lacking a couple of years from now. Yeah, Bobby Witt Jr. That's what's got me excited. Um, and you know, there, there's some other some other uh, talented players. Mondesi got the uh, the game winning hit on Saturday. Some great defense from him as well. I don't know, you know, and it's just a beautiful time to go out to the K on a day like this. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have been a, a good time with the result they had today. But, uh, you know, I, I think I got all those point and didn't even introduce ourselves, um, which is which is typical for the professionalism here at the AP Draft Room podcast. My name is Ron Cobb Jr., the lead analyst, as always, hosting the AP Draft Room podcast. And Talon, I already, uh, already threw it to you first, but, uh, you know, Draft season, almost two weeks away now. We're getting closer and closer. I don't know, man. Are you getting a little nervous? I, I think I asked that last time, but, I mean, it's got to be a little more nerve-wracking the closer we get. Yeah. I mean, I feel like now it, it almost feels like we just know, like, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but we know which three could. Yeah. You know, it's like, you're either going to do this, this, or that. We don't know yeah. which one, but it could be, you know. So we have a pretty good feel of what's going to happen, what positions we're looking at, all you know, with the visits coming in and, and, and all that stuff. But, man, yeah, I feel prepared. I feel ready for this. Yes. You know, I feel ready to, to just to, to see what happens now. All the speculation talk and everybody's hot takes. It's 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 time now. It's like, right, let's just let's see what actually happens. Well, and that's the thing. I, we feel almost so prepared that, you know, it, it almost is hard to not talk about the same players over and over because we've been talking about them so much. You know, the possibilities of the first round picks so much this offseason. You know, today we're going to try to switch it up, talk about some players we have not hit on too much, maybe some new names for for you listeners. So we'll get into all that, but I do want to say, you know, we'll pull up some draft profiles real quick because we got some good ones coming. Actually, Jared on the site right now has a good profile on Eric Izukanma, the Texas Tech wide receiver. He got another top 30 visit for the Chiefs. Make sure you check that out. Me and Jared also broke him down a little bit on the Thursday pod, the, the draft talk show. So make sure you go check that out. 
Christian is going to have a mid-round edge prospects to watch, little sleepers for you guys that you know you you may not be hearing in the first couple uh, the first couple rounds, but maybe a little later in the draft, Chiefs can take a swing on him. Looks like Rocky is going to be looking on looking at Perry on Winfrey, and Brian's got Drake Jackson, which it does. I know we're going to have a little talk about Drake Jackson a little later, so we'll give you a preview on him. Um, but real quick, and, and you know, I should say actually, I'm I am breaking down uh, Jahan Dawson for the site that'll be out early this week, so make sure you look that at that. But real quick, I do want to give a shout out. It came out this morning. There was a report that tight end from UAB Garrett Prince, a uh, friend of the show. Uh, literally a friend of the show. Uh, he he did get a private workout with the Chiefs and is is going on a visit with the Arizona Cardinals. Now, I'm not gonna lie; I already knew that. Uh, it did, I did not need to know that the, the or I did not need to see the report to uh, to say this on the pod. But uh, you know, I just wanted to shout him out because you know it is getting closer. That private workout was a little something that he mentioned to me, saying, "Hey, you know, I I, I was I got to stay after a little bit after the rest of the local pro day guys at, at the Chiefs facility." Um, and so, you know, that might mean something. All of a sudden, you know, this could be someone they're targeting later in the rounds as a you know, little move tight end. And we'll talk about that a little later, too. But uh, he is going to Arizona. So good luck, Gary. Hopefully, you know, that goes well. And uh, yeah, in a couple of weeks, hopefully your, your name gets called. So just wanted to give him a shout out as we get closer to the draft. But Talon, this is where I want to start today, because this is an interesting question and it forces us to think a little outside the box. And this is what I'm going to ask you point blank. What is the most off-the-wall draft pick you could see the Chiefs making at 29 or 30? Not necessarily the 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 worst situation or just like a you know, maybe like a bad pick. I don't want I don't want that to be the frame of this question. Just an off-the-wall pick that you that we're not really thinking about right now. Did you have a name in mind when I asked you this? I do. Um, and I'm gonna go with Nicobe Dean, the linebacker from Georgia. Um, it would be a good pick. The the dude's a good player, a little bit undersized, plays about 230, 225. Um, but you know, obviously with the last two, two second round picks and Chiefs have made with Nick Bolton and Willie Gay, respectively, you got your, you know, linebacking core pretty set. Do you really want to, uh, use a first round pick on a guy that's going to be a third linebacker in, in your base set quite possibly, but no, let me tell you, I like him as a player. He's a really good linebacker. He, he's, he played in a great defense at Georgia surrounded by a lot of good players, but but he was good in his own right. He brought a lot to that defense. So um, if the Chiefs do go that route, I don't expect them to. But if it if it happens, it would be definitely off the wall, but not a bad pick. And he would be a guy that, that helps this defense a lot. Well, yeah, I think the the logic behind this, too, is that he's a guy that not only could be there at 29 or 30, but it's starting to sound like he could even go, you know, be slipping a little more where they could even trade back in the top of the second round and still get him. And you, you said it right there. He's just a good football player. You know, it's, at some point when you draft good football players, it's a good idea. And yes, it could be a little overkill at the linebacker position, especially when in today's NFL, you don't even have, you know, three linebackers on the field most of the time. Um, it's usually a two linebacker sets. Is it a little overkill? Yeah, probably. At the same time, he's a playmaker. Um, I, I, let's talk through this a little more. I mean, when you insert him into the Chiefs defense, when you have Nick Bolton and Willie Gay, I don't know. Where does he fit in? Like right away? Like, does he play? He would probably play in the base downs. I'd assume when you got three linebackers on the field, but is there any chance he could take some snaps from a, a Bolton or gay and the nickel or dime as well, depending on, you know, maybe, maybe they do like him a little more in space than a guy like Bolton, you know, I mean, maybe he has that, that athleticism that they kind of like, so I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on maybe how he'd fit into the chiefs immediately, how he could contribute right away to the defense? 
I think he would push time for that coverage linebacker spot in the nickel defense. Yeah. I think he would. He's he plays uh, good coverage against tight ends, which is what the Chiefs need. Uh, that was a Tyron Matthew type of role. That was a role that was kind of thrown out around to a lot of different guys last year. But um, I think that Kobe Dean is a guy that can do that, and he can do that from day one. And he would, you know, I'm not saying Willie Gay or Nick Bolton are terrible at that or there's a guy on the roster that can't do that. But Nicobe Dean is a guy that could probably do that as one of the best guys from day one. Yeah. And we talk about all the time. How much do we talk about Spags kind of liking that specialized player at that dime linebacker role? Well, I could, I mean, Dean is definitely a player that kind of would be able to fit that in terms of being able to play uh, tight ends and running backs in space, you know, just be a guy that can, that can move well, you know, and, and, and kind of cover ground, have, have range. Um, that's interesting, man. I don't know. It, it is something where maybe if they really want to, you know, maximize the defense and maximize the talent, you know, that they have, maybe they do want to specialize that position, get a guy that's really good for that position. And maybe it's, and so it's not Ben Neiman anymore. I think that would, that would make us all happy um, for sure. But <laughs> one guy I kind of thought of, cause I do think this is a position that could be an off the wall pick um, right away. And, and I think smart chiefs fans understand that this could be, you know, a position picked earlier than, than we all think. But what if the Chiefs want to really address right tackle? And what if the right guy falls to them? And I do think this is this is why I picked this player. It's Trevor Penning, the Northern Iowa offensive tackle, because he is not projected to be there at 29 or 30. But let's say he does fall. Let's say the Chiefs are really high on him and he is there. Do the Chiefs just say, screw it, let's get a guy that looks to be as nasty as the rest of the guys we have on the line. Let's just go full-on nasty uh, first team all nasty uh, as 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 they could be all of a sudden because man that's that's the one thing you see with Trevor Penning now you do hopefully uh, you know you hope it's not kind of forced a little bit or faked I do think you know you hear I, I specifically I'll say Bucky Brooks of of uh, what's their podcast called him and Daniel Jeremiah uh, move the sticks move the sticks um, you know they're really plugged in right and and I I know Bucky's had some concerns about maybe that that kind of nastiness being a little more uh showmanship than than actually who he is which that is a, a problem if you're if you're faking that you know nfl teams and and players in the locker room are not going to respect that but and that's why i'm actually not too high on him because i would i do think there's i think people fell in love with that a little too much uh for what he is, his actual play is but all that to say he has a really high ceiling man and and he is a strong dude he has quick feet for his size and like i said if I, I I bring those concerns up about the nastiness being maybe uh, staged a little more than than we'd like, just because I've heard that from a guy that's really plugged in. But if that nastiness is real, man, it would look good next to Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith and also Orlando Brown with all that nastiness. So I don't know if if the Trevor Penning was on the draft board at twenty nine or thirty town, how hard would you consider taking him, and and what would you, what how excited would you be about it? Man, that that deserves a long look. So long where I think if, you know, whatever pick you're sure of, make that a 29, but don't send the card in until late. So you give yourself <laughs> plenty of time to really decide, do we take pinning or do we go with who we had on our board? Um, you know, hopefully, you know, surely the, the homework has been done. But, yeah, if he's sitting there, dude, and you know uh, you have the chance to really just put that final nail in your offensive line and make that a complete unit from tackle to tackle – that's really tough to pass up if it's sitting right in front of you and you didn't expect it to be there. So um, yeah, definitely worth a look. I'm not saying it would be the, the way to go. Um, you know, more often than not, it's, it's just best to stick to your board, stick to your guns, do what's best for your team and, and what you've been planning to do. But man, yeah, Trevor Penning uh, just fit. I, I do like the skill set. I know the nastiness is is rumored to be 
you know, whatever you want to call it. But um, I, I do like the film. I think he's a good player. There, there's, there's a, there's a raw football player there that yeah. could be a really good offensive tackle for, for a lot of years. So it'd be a good pick, but it would also be okay if we didn't go that route. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing. And I mentioned it a little bit with Dean, but in both these situations, if, if these really were the best players for them to pick, I'd, and, and, you know, depending on what else is happening, they, they probably are trading back in this situation, right? They're probably saying, hey, no reason to force a pick here. Let's, you know, trade back. Let's gather more capital to maybe trade up in the second round potentially later. Um, because, yeah, they, there's no reason to get cornered into a place where you have to pick a guy um, if you don't really feel that comfortable picking him. But these are two players that, that are really exciting players just in general, good football players. Trevor Penning, yeah, I, I definitely don't, you know, I, I have Bernard Raymond higher rated higher than him, but I still like, I still think this offensive tackle cluster is really good at the top, and Penning is included in that. You watch him against Iowa State last year, you know, the one of the only times he did play Power 5 uh, team, and and he was just as nasty and as a bully-like as against the SES. So it is definitely not, um, you know, it's, it's definitely something he can do, and he did it at the Senior Bowl too. It's just whether or not, you know, it's really a part of who he is. We'll see. You know, I, I – I, I just brought it up because, like I said, I, I heard it. I want to share it with the listeners. You know, we're all we're all a big family here. We're all bringing in all the information we can. And so let's move on because I want to ask the same question, but I want to ask it about one of the day two picks. Uh, you know, it could be one of the round three, round two picks. I think these are both kind of guys that maybe would be more um, off the wall for round two, I would imagine. Um, and I think yours is that way. So I'll let you start. Who was a guy that you kind of thought fit the same mold, but maybe in a round two uh round three situation. Yeah. You mentioned Penning playing Iowa state. Um, well, Brees Hall has been a big part of Iowa state's football program since he stepped foot on campus. Uh, and, uh, been one of the most productive and, and most explosive and fun to watch running backs in college football since he's been around. So, but looking at the chiefs, you know, and what they need and, uh, their running back room currently, they, they use their first round pick on Clyde Edwards for in 2020. They just signed Ronald Jones, albeit not to a huge contract. Um, but they did bring in Ronald Jones. There's there's already two guys that you're looking at to eat in a lot of a lot of the carries, and then you you bring in Derek Gore um, or bring back Derek Gore, I should say. Um, so do you really want to use a round two pick on on Brees Hall and and when there's not a lot of you know carries to go around? Man, so I like it. It would be off the wall for sure. Um, but Brees Hall is the guy that's arguably the best running back in the class. He's fast, uh, explosive downhill runner. Um, you know, it's it's his his uh, um, his value in the passing game is kind of questionable. Is you know how reliable is he, is he going to be on third down? Um, but he's definitely a guy that would get early down work. And the reason this would be an off the wall pick is it would give the the Chiefs a really good committee. But you know, it's just all very similar early down guys. So um, it's just how well would he fit in? He's he's a good running back. It's just you know, does he offer anything different than the Chiefs already have? Yeah, and I do think. I think when you compare Hall to Kenneth Walker, I do think Hall maybe gives you a little more receiving ability. I know it, you're right. I don't think either of them are are guys that you're just super excited, confident about that they're going to be like this great dynamic receiving ability guy. But um, I do think Brees Hall has that little a little more ability than than uh, Kenneth Walker does. Kind of the two big running backs at the top of this class. And hey, shout out Brees Hall. He did go to Wichita. You know, he's born in Wichita, Kansas. So. Definitely would be a local guy, you know, to an extent. Uh, Wichita is about three hours away, but we claim it. We claim it in Kansas City. Um, so, yeah, Br Brees Hall is an interesting one. Now, let's say I want to ask you, let's say 
they've signed Jarek McKinnon, re-signed Jarek McKinnon before the draft. Does that change your thoughts on should they draft running back or is this, or do you think it kind of either way, they should probably get another young back in here, especially. And I know you're saying this is off the wall. It's not saying you should, you would do this specifically, but just how less likely is it uh, that they pick her back if they bring in a Jarek McKinnon? If they re-sign Jarek McKinnon, I think you take running back off the table as a draft pick. Um, I agree. And I think you it becomes a – if you bring anybody that's an undrafted free agent just to get more bodies and see if somebody sticks. Um, but, yeah, if they re-sign Jarek McKinnon, they're they're pretty much saying they're they're fine with who they have in that room now. Right. Yeah, that's I agree with that too. And I should have mentioned this, but uh, the reason this is actually kind of a, a good pick on your part, um, and you, I don't think you saw this actually. I I, I mentioned it to you. Todd McShay actually had the Chiefs picking Brees Hall in a mock draft. And he's, you know, he works for ESPN. He's a plugged-in guy. He's been doing this for a long time. Um, you know, it's it's very interesting. He also had us trading with the Chargers to get Jamison Williams, which can't imagine the Chargers let us do that. So uh, maybe, you know, maybe I uh, take a little less stock in that all of a sudden. But, uh, yeah, Brees Hall, interesting name would be, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an offensive piece. And speaking of offensive pieces, I think my kind of off the wall pick I could see them doing is is picking one of these these kind of move tight ends in day two and and a guy that seems to be the best move tight end kind of you know in terms of like a, not a traditional tight end but more of an H back type to me is Isaiah Likely the Coastal Carolina tight end. Um, he's a guy that you know like I said he's not the most traditional tight end maybe but he's definitely going to give you some some juice as a receiver um, be able to move around still give you enough to be you know to to play you know block in some roles and and be a guy that can kind of be versatile, but he's definitely someone that if they're not happy with what they have behind Travis Kelsey right now, um, and maybe they just want to get more creative. I think Noah Gray projects as that H-back type, a guy that can move around the formation and and be a tight end slash kind of fullback type a little bit. Um, but, you know, at the same time, maybe they, you know, maybe they think likely has got more juice and they're just not even, they don't want to be patient with Gray and they just want to go ahead and get the upgrade. Because I do think likely has a little more juice as an overall um, ball carrier and just receiver player than, than gray does. So if they really want to improve the offense, this is kind of, you know, it's kind of been the theme of this question right here is that the off the wall picks would be kind of addressing certain positions on offense that we really don't think about too much, whether it's tight end running back or offensive tackle. So I don't know. Uh, how would you feel about tight end uh, being a pick? They do take day two. And, you know, if it's not likely, is there anybody else you have in mind? I mean, it's, there are there's a lot of names they could think about in the mid rounds, um, including my guy Garrett. So you know, who knows? What's up? It's true. A very talented <laughs> tight end class, and um, but tight ends are so hard to find in the NFL. Look look around. How many elite <laughs> tight ends are there? It's uh, true. A handful, man. right? So there there there's some merit in the thought process and the and the approach of let's bring in a bunch of them. Let, let, let's see if we can you know let's bring in more than other positions. And gives us a bigger, a more, uh, uh, more chance to find one, like right. Like if, if you bring in seven, as opposed to bringing in four, more likelihood you're going to find someone that's going to stick with the team. So I just think it's so hard to find tight ends, uh, and they're so pivotal and vital to the Andy Reid offense that you really want to make sure you have plenty on hand, and you don't want to find yourself in a situation where you're you're scrambling to find one. So you know, bring in a rookie like Isaiah Likely in day two, and. and throw them into the group and, you know, you give yourself the best chance to get the best group of tight ends for your team. And Andrew Reed likes to use multiple tight ends. Uh, so, yeah, this would be a move that I could see being not likely, but also probably not a, a bad move also, be, you know, everything I just said. But, yeah. 
Well, you know, I, I, I actually, as you're talking, I kind of made sure I was looking at the 40 times, seeing um, if there's any other move tight ends um, that, because yeah, Chig Aconquo from Maryland, I definitely think he fits that same profile as a move tight end you, you could take a, a flyer on. Um, even Jelani Woods, I mean, he's he's a huge dude, so it's a little different story, but he's pretty, he moves pretty well for his size. Um, you know, he's a Virginia tight end, but I say that. Ooh, Isaiah likely actually in a four eight two in the forty. Very slow time compared to the rest of the tight ends. So, uh, you know, it might have been something I should have checked beforehand because I don't think the Chiefs are taking a four eight two tight end on day two if they wanted to be that move type. Um, that is not very fast. So, I will say, you know, I mentioned Chig. Um, some other guys that could kind of maybe fit that role. You know, a guy like. Uh, you know, uh, Char- Charlie Kohler from Iowa State, more of a traditional tight end, but definitely can move pretty well. I don't think they'd be going after Trey McBride because um, he does move really well, but um, I don't know. Maybe they would. Maybe if he's there, maybe that's the move because he does seem like the best tight end overall in the class. He can kind of be more both a traditional hand in the dirt and a, a flexed out kind of guy. So I, I will just put, plant my flag here and just say, if they're taking tight end a little earlier, I don't want them to take a guy like Jeremy Ruckert um he just doesn't really do much for me um kate Otten's kind of in the same class for me just just guys that you know are more are, aren't very exciting picks you know kind of more just your traditional guys that are going to give you good snaps but nothing more than a guy like blake bell couldn't couldn't do for you um, I, I will i do like dulcich from ucla i think he offers yes a that's lot. a good name yeah yeah there's, there's a lot of variety in his game and um i don't think he's the best at anything but he's probably top three in a lot of stuff yeah, that's a good call. I, I do think Dolchich has really risen up boards because of his athletic profile. Um, and he's a pretty young dude, too. He just turned 22. Um, so that gives you something to work with. So tight end will be interesting. Uh, I obviously have a personal connection there. So we'll see how it goes. But I want to transition. And let's go back to the other side of the ball because I think this will be a fun exercise uh, about a couple weeks before the draft. Last week, me and Brian kind of nitpick my top 10 receiver rankings i've finalized them and this week i'm gonna have you see if you can kind of needle anywhere and 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 pick out some uh some parts of my top i'm gonna go we're gonna try to go top 20 edge rushers top 20 edge defensive end slash kind of just edge position players in this year's draft obviously when to talk about these guys i naturally talk about them from a chief's perspective because that's what we know, right? The Chiefs' defense is is what we know and how we think about football right now because that's what who we cover. So at the same time, I do try to rank these guys in a vacuum. So bear with me as I try to explain the method to the madness. But Town, let's start here because I think uh, I want to get your take on the top of the class, even if these guys aren't going to be Chiefs maybe next year. Uh, although we never know, um, and we'll talk through that. But I still have Kayvon Thibodeau as my number one edge rusher in this year's class. If I'm if I'm thinking about a guy that's gonna get after the quarterback um, at, at a at the most consistent level and, and really flash as a guy just flying off the edge, it's Thibodeau to me. Like I, you know, I, I think a lot of the stuff you hear that the reason he's falling is all off-field stuff, and it's all stuff that doesn't even make sense to me. I, I've talked about this over and over um, with Jay Binkley on the six ten on on six ten radio because yeah, it is just it's crazy that he he's fallen down so much from almost seeming like consensus number one pick throughout the football season. But uh, so I have him at number one, Aiden Hutchinson at number two, the Michigan edge defender, Jermaine Johnson, the second at number three, Florida state edge defender and David Ojabo at number four. Now those are my first tier of edge rushers in this year's class. 
top four talent anywhere in that do you disagree agree just what are your thoughts on what you think the top of this year's class looks like no um pure talent wise i think you got it pretty spot on um thibodeau and hutchinson i mean you could make arguments for either one to be the, the number one guy um i think those two are really the only two that you could put as a number one overall edge rusher out of this class and then jermaine johnson and, and ojabo um i do agree that they belong in that tier one just overall i think their careers are going to be um very uh poignant and very successful and they're going to be you know perennial pro bowlers but Hutchinson and Thibodeau are the only two that really warrant that number one overall spot good okay well no disagreement so far but now I want your take on Trayvon Walker because I did leave him out of that first Mm -hmm. tier and he is a guy that might go second or third overall in the draft because of his athletic numbers and kind of the projection that he could be even though he wasn't a very productive player in college and wasn't you know a super flashy um, you know sack guy or anything so do you agree that Trayvon Walker is not in that top tier? Or what do you think about him? Man, I'm going to, yeah, I agree that he's not in that tier one, but I, I have a hard time putting him with tier two based on the other guys you have in there. So I'm going to say he's tier one and a half. Um, I think he's kind of in a class and zone and he, he's not that elite edge rushing guy, but he's, if he lands in the right spot, if he goes to the right scheme, if he lands with the right staff and the right players around him, this is a guy that could be, one of the best at his positions, but again, he's not a universally good player. Uh, He's not going to go to Jacksonville and be the best player on the field. He's not going to go to Detroit and be the best player on the field. He needs help around him. So uh, yeah, I think he just needs to go to the right spot and uh, you know, a top 10 team could be the right spot. That's why it it is an interesting thing. Cause yeah, he, I I think he's a projection and NFL teams are a lot smarter than us. And uh, I mean, we think so. Uh, you know, not, not all the time. It doesn't seem like, but, uh, if he's going number two or number three, like, you know, I think NFL teams just, that's them telling you that we feel confident we can develop this guy into an all-star stud. Um, and he has the profile to do that. It's just, we haven't seen it yet. And that's something that I, you know, I just have to kind of factor in. Like I, I, you know, you look at the film and you just like the four guys I listed ahead of him. You just do. I, I do personally. So. That's the top five. Those are all kind of the the for sure first round guys. I think there's no doubt about it. Those five guys. I mean, Ojabo with the injury, maybe not. But before the injury, that those were the top five guys you saw in first round mocks. Now, here's where and I actually probably agree with you. I would probably have actually, you know, what? I'm, I'm going to I'm going to change that. I was going to say I probably would have Trayvon Walker in his own tier, but I'm going to go ahead and, and put the next two guys in that tier with him. And I have Trayvon Walker with Sam Williams, the Ole Miss edge defender, and and uh, George Karloftis, the P- Purdue defensive end. Now, Sam Williams is, is definitely a name that you don't see up there a lot. And I don't know. When I see a guy like Sam Williams, I, I to me, he looks just – he has the kind of the base fundamentals, the foundation that a guy like Karloftis has. But he also kind of has some of the juice sometimes that you see from a Jermaine Johnson a little bit. I think he's actually a pretty close prospect to what Jermaine Johnson gives you. And I think a lot of this off-field stuff, which we've talked about on this podcast before, has really buried him you know, on the draft boards, which is totally understandable, and it happens. But I think from a pure talent perspective, I mean, I might be a little too high on him, but I don't know. It does seem like he belongs in that, in that, that first or second tier in this year's class. And so, yeah, Trayvon Walker, Sam Williams, George Karloftis, I don't know if you have any takes on Williams, but Karloftis is, is a guy that I feel like gets way too slept on in this class. Um, how do you feel about the potential of the Chiefs picking him at 29 or 30? I like Karloftis. Um, he's, he's a guy that I was I was 
pretty high on early. He's slipped down my board as, as other guys have kind of risen throughout the process, but he's, he's a guy that you just know what you're going to get. Um, and he, he's a technician. He, he really has a wide variety of moves that he can, that he can utilize. And he's still pretty raw. He hadn't been playing football for that long, um, which I feel like is the case for a lot of these guys, um, especially edge rushers. I mean, you see with Ojabo, you, you know, we just yeah. said it with, with Carl Loftus. Um, but anyway, so there's still room to grow, but I just, I'm not sure. He, he's a high floor, lower yeah. ceiling guy. Um, he's a safer pick, but he, I don't think he's going to be your best pass rusher. Um, he, I think he's always going to be your number two. Yeah, but that's there's a lot of value to that if you're really confident he can become that. So that's why, and I, and I agree with you for the most part. I do think he does have a little more room to grow as a player. Um, he, like you said, he's, he's young, um, but at the same time, you know, you can't teach bend. And, you know, some of these guys have that bend that, that really makes them, you know, maybe higher ceiling guys to him. But that high floor, that what makes him that's what makes him a tier two player for me. I, I would be pretty pumped up if the Chiefs were able to get him on on day one, as long as it doesn't mean trading up for him or or any sort of that. I, I think he just needs to be he's he's a good value at 29 or 30, I think. Um, I would definitely say so. Tier three, I think there is a there is a, a significant mark. I think it was pretty easy for me to cut off from Karloftis to the next tier, even though I do like some of these some of these players in this tier. And it is another three person tier to me. Um you know, I'm thinking through. Yeah, it is a three-person tier because I do like Arnold Debichetti as that first guy in that next tier. Um, I, I, the more I think about him, the more I really like the idea of him coming in. And yeah, maybe he will have to adjust to the NFL and maybe not be as full time of a starter as we need at a defensive end. But he's going to give us some pass rush juice. And and the more you think about it, the more it'd be nice to have someone that that really gives you some some juice off the edge because he has it. So I like Debichetti. Boye Mafe is my number nine overall guy, the middle of this third tier. Now, that might be a little low compared to what, what some other people have him, but I don't know. I do think he he is – there's a lot of projection there, in my opinion. And it, it is – you know, I do think about it more and more, and and I, I do feel a lot more comfortable with, with some of these other guys I've mentioned so far, even though I really like the thought of Mafe, his ceiling, what he could become. Um, you know, I just think when you talk about he, – he was in a two-point stance a lot in college. He was – you know, he – there was some things where, you know, as a pure three-point stance defensive end, like you're, you're going you're gonna to need some work uh, to get him really as a guy that can be thrown in there and play, you know, three downs, full snaps for you as a defensive end. So that's why I have him at number nine. And then Drake Jackson is the number 10 USC edge defender, someone we haven't talked to a lot about. And I do know we're going to talk about him a little later as well. But I just, I just like the, the, raw, the, the raw talent he has, a guy, a very high-rated uh, recruit. And you can tell, you know, you see the bend that made him probably a, a guy that, that a lot of people were sought after. And that's a guy that at this point in, the, in these rankings, uh, compared to the rest of the guys on the list, I'm going to take the swing on with, with the talent because I do see where there could be some uh, deficiencies. But uh, I, like, I like the ceiling that Drake Jackson has. And he has the size, too. He has the, the size to, to, to grow into and, and fill out a little more. So 8, 9, 10, Ebiketti, Mafe Jackson. Is there anybody we've gone through the top 10? Is there anybody you're surprised aren't isn't in the top 10 or just any thoughts on the guys we I just spoke about? Uh, no, I think I don't think you're really missing anybody in that top 10. I think you got it pretty, pretty good. And in, in my opinion, I agree with most of them or not most all of them. Um, some of the rankings I would might alternate. But um, so in this last year, Ebiketti is definitely my favorite of those three. Um, I like Mafe, but again, I agree with everything you just said. Um, and regarding his game and what he's going to do at the next level and, and his development speed and stuff like that. But Ebiketti, to me, I like him a lot. I would actually, I might have 
put him in the tier above where you have yeah. him. I might put him with Karloftis and Williams. Um, that's fair. I think that's a fair argument. Yeah, I really like him. Ebiketti would be the only one um, out of those three that I would consider at twenty nine or or or, uh, or thirty. Um, Mafe, I don't know. I don't. I don't like him as a first rounder. Jackson, well, yeah, we'll get into him. I'm. I'm just. I'm not as high on Jackson um, as as a lot of people, but we can get into that here a little bit later. Yeah, no, Ebiketti is is a guy that I might not be giving enough credit to in terms of how he can hold up on the edge. You know, he he, he had to play in the Big Ten. He had to play against a lot of run heavy offenses and. And had you know has experience kind of going against you know having to set the edge and having to he just you know he's a little light you know and he's a little you know not the not the biggest dude but at the same time man when you when you threaten so much with speed and bend you can translate that to power and kind of uh, you know make it up that way so yeah I, I do like Ebiketti the more this process has gone on um, I do agree that you know twenty nine or thirty. I, I, at first, I was kind of saying maybe it's a little too early for him. I'm probably there now because it does seem like that's where he's going to go. It's where his value is. This edge class, you're probably going to see guys go off the board pretty early, and so it's going to move everybody up. So when you think about it like that, and Mafe, you probably have to throw into those same terms. Even if in a vacuum, you might, you, I might like him later in the class. You're probably going to have to pick him uh, at least, you know, bottom of the first, if not maybe early second, to to get good value on him where he's yeah. going to go. So. It's interesting. That's why we can't wait for the draft, and that's why we're we're filling time till it gets here. I before we go to break, I want to quickly break down the ne- the last uh, eleven through twenty because you know these are guys we haven't talked about a lot. We talked about the guys we already have listed. And at number eleven, I think Nick Bonito is the guy from Oklahoma, an edge rusher that may not fit. He's kind of you know it, I think Ebiketti. This is where I I think like my Ebiketti thing might be overreacting because then when you look at Bonito. Like he really is a, a smaller guy that really, you know, really needs to be in a certain situation where he's not playing full time. Um, and that's why he may not be as high a name as, as you see with these, some of these other guys. But man, can he fly off the ball? Man, does he have Ben? It's probably because he's so light. But, I, you know, he, he really is a guy that's probably going to come in and, and, and cause some havoc as an edge rusher probably right away, just in a situational terms, you know, on third downs. Um, and so the right team's going to be able to utilize him. And that's why I have him pretty high. But, I don't think the Chiefs are will be super interested in him, depending on where he goes. Seems like he'll go in the second round. Maybe it's good enough value in the third round where they just say, "Screw it, we're going to get a guy that flies off the edge. Who cares if he's a situational player for us?" Eleven there, number twelve, Majai Sanders, the Cincinnati edge rusher. Thirteen, Cameron Thomas, the San Diego State edge defender. Fourteen, Joshua Pascal, the Kentucky defender. Now, eleven through fourteen is their own uh, tier for me. Cameron Thomas was a guy that I was super surprised landed this low for me. Um, he's a guy that, you know, you've talked about, uh, 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 Rocky has written up on the site for us, but you know, I, I just, I, I really don't, he, he really just doesn't excite me as much as someone should that plays the positions he does in the mountain West. You know, if you're going to be a guy that goes back and forth between a three tech and an edge defender and, and kind of is the, your, you know, the, the offense is, you know, maybe matchup nightmare. I'd just like to see you dominate a little more. Um, I do see, I do see the fundamental, the the foundation to where he he could come in and and grow off of that and become a good player. But I don't know. I I, I like I like the the ceiling of the guys ahead of him a little bit, and I'm gonna take ceiling um, on on these first couple days. You know, I'm gonna take the ceiling over. So yeah, Majai Sanders though, is that someone that you? I know we've talked about him a little bit, but I like him, you know, to an extent. But he is pretty light, right? Like, do you see him being able to fit into the Chiefs' defense from what they really ask for the defensive ends to do? And I don't know any other comments on this little tier here. Yeah, Benito and Sanders for me are going to be tough to 
to um, merit using a pick on, depending on where it is. If it's a third round pick, I think I'd be okay with it. But I don't know if you know if they're going to be there. Like you said, these guys are explosive athletes, and um, they're going to bring a pass rush to a team. But again, I would say Benito, especially, um, is a stand up guy. He's he's a guy that needs to be coming out of yeah. a two point stance. Um, and yeah, you, you said it's, it's he's, he'd be more of a situational guy with the Chiefs. Um, and then Sanders, yeah, he's 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 had a fluctuating offseason. Um, and this is a guy that I feel has gone up and down all across the board. And um, I'm still not really sure where to land the dart on him. And I just, I'm I'm just so nervous. And I don't know, I, I'm not really <laughs> comfortable picking him at all, just because I'm I'm yeah. just not sure exactly what you're gonna get. There's just been so many question marks. Uh, throughout his process it's like i don't you know obviously teams interview guys and they have a much more better handle than i would but um for me i just i want to stay away from him and then cameron thomas the injuries scare me um the, the, you know yeah. they, started, they started popping up at the pro bowl or the the senior bowl and they started yeah. pop, popping up at the combine um you know if it's a one-off and he can get over it he is a good player that you know um it's a good all across the defensive line you have versatility um i don't think he's an elite edge rusher but he is a good run defender and he provides enough that you know he, he could get probably a handful of sacks each year um but yeah he i'm not as high but yeah round two round three he's worth a shot i like him better than the other two yeah there we go yeah no it, it is just interesting man this it just depends on what you like from your edge defenders a guy like sanders he is just really light you know he's a light dude um pretty skinny dude it shows up on tape and then obviously comes to the combine. I know he had the illness, but he comes in super light, um, under 230 pounds. So he's built that back on a little bit, but he really does project if the Chiefs take him, he's got to be that wide nine defensive end. And and you really can't have him as a strong side DN right away, at least until he bulks up a little more and can hold up against the run a little more. But the reason I do like him at least at number 12 here in the rankings is because he does have this, 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 these fundamentals. This he does know how to play the position. He does know how to play that four three D end. You know whether it's a seven or a nine. Like he, he can play it. It's just he was only playing it at the American Conference level instead of the NFL. So he's definitely a guy that's going to come in and, and be know what he's doing. But whether that turns into you know being able to play be a starter is is left to be determined. I mentioned Kentucky Joshua Pascal. You know, he's a guy that's grown on me. You've mentioned him. I look back at him after you mentioned him on, on one of our pods. And, and yeah, I, I think he could come in and give you solid snaps right away. He just doesn't have that that same ceiling in terms of his build, his frame. He's not going to, you know, be one of these bulking guys, these long frame guys. But he'll give you solid snaps. He played in the SEC and, and, and played well there. Dominique Robinson, the Miami of Ohio um, defensive end. He is someone I'm a little intrigued with just because he's about 6'5". You know, he's pretty light at 253, but, man, that wingspan, that you know, the 82-inch wingspan, 73rd percentile, 41-inch vertical jump, 121-inch broad jump, which is 80th percentile. Dude's an athlete. Dude can move. He's definitely a little bit of a project, which is why he's at 15 for me. But, man, he'd be an exciting pick, uh, you know, maybe on date uh, round three, you know, maybe uh, sometime in that point. And just to round it out here, Isaiah Thomas from Oklahoma. And this is where I have Kingsley Enigbare, Alex Wright from UAB, Enigbare is from South Carolina, I should mention, Michael Clemens from Texas A&M, and then to round it out, D'Angelo Malone, the Western Kentucky edge defender. Those are my last guys. And, th and those are the guys, you know, there's some guys I had to squeeze out of my top 20 that I was surprised. You know, I'll mention Tyreek Smith's name, the Ohio State edge defender. This just kind of tells you that, that the edge defender class is, is a pretty good one this year. I think 
I'd be happy to see, you know, uh, you know, a guy like Alex Ryder, Michael Clemens, they could even be day three picks potentially, and they could come in and give you solid snaps. They just have the size, the NFL size to do that. So, yeah, as you look at the bottom, you know, the bottom of this top 20 list here, are there any other names uh, you like to highlight real quick before we throw it to break? Yeah, I really like Pascal. Um, even since last time we talked, uh, my my uh, my love for him has grown even a little bit more. And yeah, I would like him in the Chiefs. I think he would be a, a really good value piece. I think he would be the guy that eventually takes Frank Clark's spot. Um, yeah, and he becomes your your every down defensive end starter. Uh, you know, opposite your 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 true number one guy. So um, I do like Pascal. I think he brings a lot of value. And then the other guys, yeah, the the when you get when looking guys like Clemens and and Inigbari and even Malone. Um, these are guys that are just, they have profiles and they're, they're just big dudes. They've been playing football. They, you know, they're rugged. They're, they, they have a lot of snaps underneath them. Um, it's just going to take some time for them to get, you know, to where they can consistently beat offensive linemen. Um, and you know, they, they just don't have very sharp tools and they're just, they're just guys that are, that when you bring in, they're good picks and they're going to stick around because they're, they've, they've played football long enough and they're, um, they're going to be good against in certain situations and, you know, training camp, they're good bodies and they're, they're going to stick out. So um, great picks and, and, you know, for, for later rounds. I agree. Well, all right, listeners join us on the other side of the break. We got a little, uh, a one last segment to, to finish it off here on the AP draft room podcast. So stick around. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back in on the AP Draft Room podcast. A beautiful Sunday, as I mentioned. Talked a lot of draft today. Talked a lot of edge defenders here today. Um, and so to finish it off here today, uh, speaking of edge defenders, I'm going to talk about somebody that, you know, depending on who you ask, could be projected as an edge defender or an interior defensive lineman. Because what we're going to do on this segment here is actually talk about players. Actually, me and Jared did this. So if you listen to the podcast, Jared and I uh, broke down Boye Mafe and Christian Watson on Thursday as guys that we just need to be sold on a little more for where we're going to pick them in the draft. Guys that have seemed to, to really pick up steam in the draft process, but you know we really just need to, to you know just be sold on them a little more. And we're going to continue that theme today because as I teased a little bit, a guy that I need to be sold on a little more that's starting to really heat up in, in draft community is Logan Hall, the player from Houston. Um, I mentioned that depending on who you ask, he's an edge defender or an interior defensive lineman. He is kind of that tweener type. And that's why, you know, I have, I have some, some hesitation with him because a guy like DeMarvin Leal, the D, the Texas A&M uh, defensive tackle slash edge, he's a guy that, 
you know, if you ask some, you know, if you ask people a year ago, he might've been one of, you know, one of the first round picks out of all these defensive linemen. And I just think his tweener style is just, is, it's just hard to determine whether he's going to be a really big edge or an explosive defensive tackle. Now, Logan Hall is kind of in that similar vein where, you know, last year he played 75% of the snaps on the interior as a, as a B gap defender, you know, otherwise, otherwise known as a three tech. And, and if that's what he's going to be at the, at the next level, you know, I, I just, you know, you can do that at the American conference, uh, you know, at, at some point in the NFL, man, when you're only 283, which is what he came in at, at the combine 283 and about six, six, you know, there's only so many Chris Jones in the NFL and, and he would kind of have to be another, um, you know, uh, what's the word for anomaly like that? Cause Chris Jones is an anomaly. You really don't see defensive tackles that big um, become that dominant. And you see guys like Perry on Winfrey kind of hoping to do that too, but at least Winfrey has a little more size to him. Logan Hall. He's just too much tweener for me. I need to be sold on him a little more. He might be someone that I would be more comfortable taking maybe round three as more of a project at either spot. Um, but it does seem like he's going like top 50 maybe. So Talon, here's where I'll ask you just, what do you think of Logan Hall and and what do you kind of think about my argument or not an argument, but just, I'm just curious, man. I just need to be a little a soul, a little more. I don't know if you can sell me or if you're on my side. Yeah. I'm not the one to be selling. Cause I'm with you, man. <laughs> uh, I need to be bought. Um, so, yeah. or I need to be sold, I should say, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> I love him as a five tech man. I, I think he's going to be great in a three yeah. defense and um, you know, do a little both, do a little run stuff and do a little pass rushing from a, from a, you know, odd front and um i think that's where his value lies if the chiefs were to take him in the middle rounds i'm just you know okay that's fine he's a, he's a decent football player and um you know i just don't know if he's going to optimize his talents with the chiefs i just don't know where he fits exactly i don't know uh, you know he's, he's like you said perfect he's a tweener and in, in the chiefs i don't think he has a spot um so yeah but but and you know like i said five technique i think he's going to be a, a very productive player so yeah, that's the thing. Uh, you know, he he his spot, what it looks like right now would be like direct back up to Chris Jones and what Chris Jones does, which, you know, hey, if that's what it's gonna be, that's what it's gonna be. But I just don't think he's a guy you can put with Chris Jones on the field at the same time because he's he's yeah, he doesn't he's one of those two needs to be able to take on a double team. One of those two needs to be able to be more of a one tech type and nose tackle type. Um, and he just doesn't have that ability right now. And yeah, they the Chiefs really like their long ends, so maybe they maybe they would project him as a defensive end and make him more of a project. Which, you know, if we're talking about getting younger and cheaper, and they really like him, you know, maybe that this this is a pick they make for 2023 and beyond rather than in 2022. But you're you're betting on that projection, man. It's not a it's not an easy projection for me to make. It really isn't because um, he's not a guy that played a lot of edge in college. He really isn't. This isn't the example of a guy that completely split time. This is a guy that played a lot on the interior and you are projecting to play at the edge. So it's interesting, man. Um, it, it, we'll see. Like I mentioned his comparison to Marvin Leal. I think uh, Hall is more explosive. So that's why I actually do like Hall more than DeMarvin Leal as an interior defender. I would rank him higher. Um, but at the same time, man, those tweeners just, just kind of get the best of me a little bit. Um, but Talon, this is where I'll throw to you and see who you have as a player that you seem to be sold on a little more. Who are you thinking when you hear this question? So mine is receiver, um, Western Michigan, Sky Moore. Uh, he's a smaller guy. He, he came in under six feet. Um, he's a lighter guy. When you look at a guy like that, you want him to be an absolute burner. And he, he didn't run a slow 40. He ran a 4 which is respectable, obviously. But, but when you have a guy that, you know, isn't 
that big and and didn't uh, you know have a lot of production against elite college defenses, you would you would I would prefer that forty time to be a little bit more you know uh, in the in the four threes. Um, but he and he didn't run a diverse route tree at Western Michigan. Um, he ran a very specific role. They ran a lot of RPOs. Um, so the you know uh, a lot of quarterbacks reading the defense and you know if he's wide open, sl- yeah, you know, just a lot of specific things. And um, if I just don't know if he's the type of guy that's going to provide an NFL de- uh, NFL offense with this with that you know elite off, uh, weapon to uh, to beat elite NFL defenses. Yeah, um, you know there's there's a lot of speed in the NFL uh, offense and defense. And and for a guy that Sky Moore, um, you know he he's going to be a very specific uh scheme fit player and i just don't know if he has that elite talent to to really do a lot in the nfl and so for me i, I need someone to sell me on him yeah because i think the argument with him is that yeah he's a, he's that z type that's going to be able to create separation um you know make big plays you know be be a yak guy but you know you talk about create separation well don't you you need to have a pretty good three cone drill to kind of to to mark that you know you're you're good in, in quick spaces you know beating guys off slants uh you know all that kind of stuff well he had a 7.13 second three cone drill which is a 20th percentile for receivers um not very good there you mentioned the 40 yard dash yeah it's an 82nd percentile 40 yard dash including a 97th percentile 10 yard split but the 20 yard shuttle a 30 percentile um figure so yeah you know maybe he's he's got the some straight ahead speed and, and maybe that's where you see some of the separation but when you're playing at the level he did it's interesting, man. Now I will, I will try to sell you a little bit, man. You know, he's got that hand size, 10 and a quarter hand size. I, I really like that. He's a guy that's definitely going to catch the ball, be a reliable pass catcher for you. And I do think he has some, some pretty crisp route releases off the line of scrimmage. Now, you know, he has a smaller body, you know, he's, he's not five ten. He has a, you know, an 18th percentile wingspan. This is a smaller dude, but with the Chiefs specifically with all these bigger weapons they have now at receiver, you know, an MVS, a Juju Smith Schuster, um, you know, even if you look at kind of the, some of the guys they have coming up, maybe Darius Fountain and Cornell Powell, they have a lot of bigger guys. They 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 probably do at some point need to make sure they they get someone that's going to be a little, you know, just a, more of a speedster, more of a a faster guy. That's why I kind of I you know Sky Moore and Jahan Dotson are kind of in that that same bucket for me, where they're they're probably going to be picked around the same area. I like Dotson more for some of the things you just talked about. Um, and so yeah, let's let's maybe jump off there when you compare the two. Is, is is Dotson come up higher for you or or where does that conversation come go to? Yeah, man, I, I love John Dotson. Um, I would yeah. definitely like him for one of the first round picks. I think he's probably got the best hands in the class. Um, the dude catches everything and he's got a good catch radius. His, his quarterback play at Penn State was pretty inconsistent. He played with Clifford yeah. and, and McSorley. So, um, yeah, dude, the, the dude is just, I love his hands. I love, I love his radius and I love what he can do. Um, he just seems to catch everything and, uh, and, and he's bigger. He's a lot bigger than, than Sky Moore is too. I think yeah. he's six foot, six, one, two, 200 something. So, um, yeah, I like Dobson a lot. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And that's why we're having this conversation because, you know, people, people talk about, uh, Sky Moore and Jahan Dotson kind of in that same range of where they're going to go in the class. And, you know, I feel a lot better about taking Dotson than I would taking uh, Sky Moore for there for sure. Now I've drafted Sky Moore in that situation, so it's just you know in mock drafts, it's just you know when you're comparing the two and, and kind of you know figuring out in a vacuum who you'd rather have. I mean, Sky Moore is a little bit more of a projection. Now I will say you mentioned Dotson's a little taller than than Moore, but Moore actually did come in uh, heavier than than uh, Dotson did. Uh, Dotson came at about 178 at the combine, which is very very light. Now. 
I don't know if he played that I do that remember light. that now. I do yeah, remember and, that. I remember thinking, watching film, it's like he does not look like yeah. there's no way he's – he just doesn't – he reminds me – on film, he reminds me of Macklin a little bit. Um, and I know Ooh. Macklin was a little bit – you know, he, he looked bigger than he was as well. Um, so it'll maybe – yeah, I do remember yeah. him weight-wise being very small, but thinking on film, he he doesn't play small. And, and Sky Moore plays small. And, um, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like Dawson plays bigger than he is. So I'm, I am glad you brought that up because I did forget that he did measure into so small. Um, but I do, I do still do, do still like Dawson a lot more than Sky Moore. I like that Macklin kind of thought um, because, yeah, you're right. I mean, Jeremy Macklin was kind of a guy that that was sneaky fast and sneaky crate separation kind of guy, um, rather than you know, like th- think about Deshaun Jackson. You know, he's fast. I feel like people don't really think about Macklin as as a separator kind of like that. And I feel like that's what's kind of happening with Jahan Dotson. I feel like people are kind of underrating how much separation he gets that's going to be kind of my my uh, main theme of the article that i'm writing is that he does create separation whether it's before or after the catch he is a speedster um he just knows how to play the receiver position um and yeah you'd like to see a better three cone drill which we were just talking about man he had a 7.28 three cone drill ninth percentile for receivers which really does scare you i mean that is a bad number but at the same time, man, you take football players for what they look like on the field. He played in the Big Ten. He played for, you know, four years. He was contributing all four years he was there. He is definitely a guy. You know, I, I think I've said this on the pod before, but uh, was it Mike Tannenbaum, the former GM? He had his own little ESPN mock draft, um, what he would do. And in that, he actually compared Jahan Dotson to Marvin Harrison, um, which, you know, you think about Marvin Harrison, the smaller-bodied guy, you know, maybe – maybe not, you know, the most impressive uh, physical specimen, but then he just gets open and makes, you know, makes catches. And when you pair him with a really great quarterback, that turns into a, a Hall of Fame receiver. So uh, I think Chiefs Kingdom would be cool with a uh, Marvin Harrison type of player in Kansas City. But uh, yeah, no, that's that's obviously the his ceiling of ceilings. And, and I did not make that comparison, so you cannot hold me to that. I'm just the messenger here. But uh, Talon, any more takes on maybe just Dawson, Moore, any of the other receivers at the end of the first round before we get out of here? Uh, no, nothing that probably hadn't been said already. Um, man, I, I do, I do think this, the, the, the chiefs could really do some great things with this receiver class. I do think they double up. I think this is a class we see them take two different receivers. Um, and I'm excited about that because there's a lot of good receivers in this class. And I think there's a lot of sneaky good receivers in this class and a lot of guys that, um, probably weren't, didn't have the best college careers, but are going to come in and, and all of a sudden be very good, uh, you know, secondary pieces with the Chiefs and, and turn into to really good productive players. Well, and that's the thing. That's, you know, you, you we, we were told this, you know, as we get Mahomes becoming a franchise quarterback and an elite quarterback, you know, elite quarterbacks raise the level of the players around them. And so you got to imagine if they take a, a receiver in one of these with one of these first picks, you have to imagine if they're any sort of good they should be able to be a pretty damn good player in the Chiefs offense um, with Patrick Mahomes throwing them the ball. So it'll be put to the test, and that's the interesting part of this. A lot of receivers, a lot of different flavors they could go, and that'll kind of tell you something about how they're moving uh, into the next phase of Patrick Mahomes' career as well, what type of receivers they draft. But all that said, another edition of the AP Draft Room wrapping up here. Appreciate everyone listening. Make sure you are tuning in to the rest of our podcasts here on the network. Like I mentioned at the top, we got some great draft profiles, great draft articles getting you ready for a couple weeks from now when the Chiefs do make a pick. Hopefully they they, they make a pick on the first night. They don't uh, screw us all over and, and trade back out and, and don't even and make us all stay up till 11 just to not see a pick. But uh, 
I'm knocking on wood. I'm not speaking into existence. We want to see a day one pick in Kansas City. It's been a while since we've seen one. So, again, appreciate everyone listening. For Talon, I'm Ron Cobb Jr. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Make sure you're following the site um, for all the latest Chiefs news. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening.